Good afternoon, my friends. Happy Wednesday. The doctor is in the house. Welcome back to another episode of To Your Health with Dr. G on this post-Wednesday Thanksgiving. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I hope you all had a safe, healthy, and blessed Thanksgiving with your family, friends, and loved ones. So I'm excited. I mean, this is, this is going to be awesome today. And I cannot contain my excitement. I'm like a little kid right now in a candy store, but we're not going to talk about candy. Sugar-free, of course, if we do it. But I am so excited to bring this new series to you guys. Today is going to be my Get to Know Them series, part one, Practitioners of Traditional Chinese Medicine. And so really what it comes down to, what I really wanted to do with this next month, over the next month you guys are going to hear from my colleagues. We're going to hear from a diverse group of practitioners that are out there in the trenches, but doing great things as far as health and supporting you and what you're trying to do with you and your family. At the end of the day, when we talk about health, and I love it about this show, is we have such inclusivity. And when we have, have a range of opinions, but really trying to shoot for the same goal, we can be even more powerful as practitioners. So over the next four weeks, I'm going to bring you guys some amazing content from some of my trusted guests, the professionals. And we're going to get a lot of different thoughts about health. But at the end of the day, we want to make sure that you have the tools to be successful in everything with your health. Because we know as you're successful in your health, you're more likely to be successful in your life. So, again, today's show is entitled, Get to Know Them Part 1, Practitioners of Traditional Chinese Medicine. Of course, my name is Dr. Mark Gomez. You can check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. You're listening live on intellectualradio.com. Check me out on my Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram handles, at to your health, Dr. G. Now, before we get in and introduce our panel, you know what I got to do. I got to hit you guys with a quick disclaimer. The content of To Your Health with Dr. G is for informational and entertainment purposes only, and that the content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Further details can be found at www.toyourhealthwithdrg.com slash disclaimer. So again, welcome back, everybody. Today is our 31st episode, and we're going to keep them coming. we got a whole bunch of content, keep them ready to keep you guys going and make sure you guys are prepared for health. And at the end of the day, again, we talk about being successful in your health. You know, the conversations that we have, it's important to have these kind of conversations so that you can have the right information, the right education, the right knowledge to then talk to your healthcare team, whoever is part of your healthcare team. But again, the purpose of the show, what we do each week, is make sure that we have uh, our legitimate sources here. Leverage me, leverage my network of experts because we can all help you guys get to that goal. So for those of you that are new to the show, where have you been? But welcome back. Uh, no, we, wanna, we, we thank you for tuning in today because, again, we're really talking about positive change and really the positive energy what we're doing about health. For those that have been with us the whole time, thank you again for your continued support. Uh, we're going to keep bringing more amazing content. How the show works, of course, I bring on my panel of experts. I ask them questions. They give us some of their thoughts on their approaches to health and how they practice in today's theme, of course. And then, of course, we'll, towards the end, we'll do our trusted myths versus facts section. But this is really about a discussion and then, again, education at the end of the day. So without further ado, I want to introduce my panel. And I'm so excited to have them here. When I was crafting the show, I knew like these two individuals were ready to, ready to step up and just have some great relationships. So I want to introduce my first guest, Ms. Ginger Michaels. LAC. She's a licensed acupuncturist and board-certified herbalist, practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, founder and owner of 
A Touch of Ginger LLC. Check her out at her website, www.atouchofginger.com. Ginger, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have Thank you here you too. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm very grateful. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And and Ginger and I, we met earlier this year through a professional networking uh, group where we try to get professionals together and network and see how we can help each other out. And, and I was just amazed that we just had a good instant connection. Absolutely. And then we actually sat down a few months ago to kind of kind of plan out you know, what the show's going to look like and everything. So I thank you for giving me some inspiration uh, to have you on. So Absolutely. thank you, Ginger. conversation. Tell us about yourself. Where did you do your training? And how does today's theme kind of really apply to you? Um, well, I used Chinese medicine uh, in my life. I hit a rough spot uh, in my late 20s, early 30s, and had some trouble... Uh, with my own health, struggling to find a way to uh, treat my symptoms and get better, and it just wasn't working. Everything I was trying wasn't working. Uh, I was overweight, and um, I ended up using uh, acupuncture and herbal medicine, and it really made a big difference. And so I decided ultimately to pursue that. And I have a master's in business, which helped. I didn't know that was going to be helpful in having my own practice. And then um, I have a master's of science in traditional oriental medicine. So left my corporate job and pursued my passion. And here I am, a practitioner, and just having so much fun watching people get better. You're talking about a purpose at this point, this fulfillment that you have. And again, when, yes. when they have people on this show, again, these are practitioners, out, for those people out there, these are people that are that really are passionate about what they're doing. So I just, I'm just amazed to have you. I'm just very grateful for you to be on the show today. Thank you. I always tell people, I'm like, how many people get to wake up every morning and go do something that they absolutely love? and to watch change happen before your eyes. To, to pop a needle into an acupuncture point and have someone move their shoulder when a moment ago they couldn't move their shoulder. I mean, I am a lucky You're, you're person. seeing it on a daily basis. Yes, fantastic. Uh, well, thank you, Ginger, for coming on the show today. Thank you I for wanna, having me. You're welcome. I want to introduce my next guest. So he and I actually connected through Ginger. So I thank you for the connection again. Absolutely. And, uh, and Doc and I had a great conversation. We talked a little bit about philosophy. We talked about life. Um, he is a man. He's like a jack of all trades because you've literally done everything, it seems like. Uh, but your resume speaks for itself. So I want to introduce to the show Dr. Ian Bo chiropractic physician and practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine. He's founder and owner of Bo Integrative Health. Check him out at www.boeintegrativehealth.com. Dr. Bo, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dr. G. Hey, you bet. Uh, so, so again, Ginger really connected us, and, and you and I hit it off on the phone, yeah. and we really see eye-to-eye -eye on this kind of approach. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about, about your background, where did you do your training, sure. and really how this theme today applies to you. Sure. Um, I started off um, getting my uh, doctoral degree at National University of Health Sciences studying chiropractic medicine. Um, while I was there, I started dabbling a little bit in, um, in acupuncture. We could do some, um, some continuing education classes there. Um, I did some training in uh, clinical nutrition while I was there too, um, sort of outside of school. And then right after I graduated, I went right to school at Pacific College of Oriental Medicine where Ginger and I were classmates. Um, For four years. Right, yeah. Actually, yeah. you guys knew each other when you were younger. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and just... Uh, and, 
you know, just kept the, the education train rolling. Um, and then after we graduated from there, we continued on and did um, another really pretty lengthy postgraduate mm -hmm. um, training in classical Chinese medicine, which has been like transformative, I think, for Absolutely. both of us. Um, and after, after I graduated, I taught at the school that I graduated from for a couple of years, teaching a couple of different classes, uh, worked at a um, integrative medicine office where we were sort of trying to bridge um, Western medicine and you know some of the Eastern medicine, um, or at least some of the allopathic and maybe more natural approaches. Um, and just about two and a half years ago, I opened up my own office. So it's been it's been a journey. But, yeah. mm -hmm. And you feel you feel definitely fulfilled in what you're doing, correct? Oh my gosh, are you kidding? It's um, it's so fulfilling. Uh, I kind of like just to kind of bounce off of what Ginger says. I mean, being able to. Um, see people through maybe some adversity in their life and see them, you know, helping them facilitate that transformation in them to get them over that hump is, it, it fills, fills my tank like nothing else mm -hmm. really does. I mean, that's, I think, what I really enjoy about what I do. Excellent. Thank you, Dr. Bo, for coming out today. So yeah. so we're going to get into it. So really how this show works, after now that you guys have met the panel of experts, really how we like to format this is really some question and answer kind of stuff. We really have some some breaking down the, the, the discussion points with you guys. So when people come in and see me in the office, the first thing, the reason why they're there, we call that the chief complaint in health. And so the chief complaint, a.k.a. the question of the hour, the situation of the hour is, what is traditional Chinese medicine and what are its clinical applications? So I'm going to start the first question with Ginger. Can you just break it down for our listening public? What is traditional Chinese medicine? Traditional Chinese medicine is a medicine that has been with us for thousands of years. Um, and it is the use, it is helping your body's energy restoring balance, keeping things flowing the way they're supposed to. Um, so we use different modalities in order to um, do that, in order to uh, obtain uh, balance and keep things moving. So we use acupuncture, um, we use herbal medicine, uh, things, I don't, you may have heard of them before, cupping, gua sha, moxibustion, these are all tools in our toolbox that we use to keep things moving um, and help the body heal itself. And that's really the fundamental basis of what Chinese medicine is. It's a medicine that allows your body to heal itself. It's powerful. This is powerful. It knows innately what to do, how to work the system. Um, and somewhere along the line, something's been thrown off a of balance. And we are able to help the body restore that balance so that the symptoms you're experiencing dissipate and go away ultimately. Excellent. I, you know, I, I think really about, as you're talking, just this balance, the energy, the harmony. I love that word, harmony, because yeah. why not? And, and really how your guys' approaches, approaches, I think it's just fascinating how it can complement what we do. You know, from a, as a Western medicine-trained physician, I think of, like, the, the body like a car. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's got different systems that need fixing, and it's very logical. And really what you guys are doing really helps to just supplement 
everything that we're doing to really help restore everything. And, and we really can see a lot of beneficial stuff because, you know, we'll get into that a little bit later about the things that are recognized by the National Institute of Health and various other professional organizations, including even leading medical centers. Uh, but, but I just think it's fascinating what, what you guys are doing and how to complement each other. Dr. Bo, what are your thoughts about the origins of, you know, Dr. Uh, Ginger was saying that the origins date back a few thousand years. You know, do we know why? It, you know, traditional Chinese medicine started, and how that how it started. Well, I think that's um, that's something that is kind of hard to to nail down because it was so long ago, and I think historians have done a, a great job of trying to piece some of this back together. Um, the I think the sort of the idea behind a lot of this was um, when it was being developed, there was a lot of introspection happening and a lot of observation happening in the outside world. And so they would see things that would happen in the outside world and they would notice it would make um, changes in them internally. So, oh, it's, you know, starting to get cold, the wind started to blow, and oh, man, next thing I know I got a stiff neck and I'm starting to feel a little sick. Um, and so that's kind of, I think, how they started piecing things together with, you know, stuff that happens to us in the outside world affects our internal world as well. And so they started to develop a medicine around that. Um, and, you know, kind of like Ginger had said, it's, it's, it's all-inclusive. You get to use acupuncture from the outside and work our way inward, and we get to use herbal medicine from the inside and work our way outward. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the way that they, they developed that. It's, it's, you know, very much that yin-yang balance of sort of, you know, inside and outside. So my first exposure to acupuncture was many years ago. I was a third-year medical student at Loyola, and there was a doctor who was a feminine uh, medicine doc and uh, also a medical acupuncturist. And I think at that time, this is you know, 15 plus years ago, mm -hmm. uh, there was only maybe about 100 actually medical doctors nationwide that were actually certified to do acupuncture. And so what we would do is when we'd go in rounds or anything like that, he would uh, place a needle on her head. And I've got one on the top of my head that Ginger placed before the show, everybody. Uh, might be hard to see from that distance, but we're all, yeah. we've all got needles, and I'll have Ginger kind of tell us a little bit more about that, the purpose in a second. But uh, So we would go on rounds, and so the doc would put needles on you, on your head, and then you were so, like, chillaxed. You were so relaxed, and then you went and saw, and then you went on rounds, and you just went around and talked about you know, heart failure or whatever the patient was complaining of in the hospital or in the clinic. And so fast forward, that was my last time I had as a third year student, and then fast forward all the way to last week, 15 plus years later, I had another session. And I don't know what happened, I guess life kind of came at me, and uh, just kind of things happened for a reason, but I'm so glad to connect with you guys. So Ginger, why don't you explain a little bit about what you kind of did to us? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I well, good, but let's talk a little bit about the, the, the purpose of doing what we just did with the needles. Okay. Yeah. Well, I placed one. Um, all of the acupuncture points have names. Um, and so I placed what we call do 20 in the top of our heads. Um, and you may have felt like a heaviness when I put that needle in. And that's just an anchoring sensation. I, it's calming, settling. And then the ones in our ears that we placed, um, you can see them better on Dr. Ear, G. Yeah, yeah, um, like <laughs> and, and those two uh, help calm, settle, and allow energy to keep moving. Whereas if I were to get nervous, you know, then the energy in my body is going to start uh, slowing down or getting like tighter, like kind of like a, a wire almost, a guitar string, and then that can create other symptoms. So by doing this, we're just kind of anchoring and settling 
Um, and you know, uh, if it's okay to mention this right now, please go ahead. Um, this is being done, something this quick is being done. Um, it's called battlefield acupuncture. It's being used um, by the United States government in um, the control of pain, and it's allowing uh, soldiers to keep working, to keep doing their jobs, um, and not be on opiates or other drugs um, that prevent them from using a weapon or from flying a airplane. And uh, literally, the doc the battlefield doctors are just popping the needles in where they need to and releasing that person of their pain, and then they're able to continue moving on. So it's this quick, you know. It took just a couple of moments. Well, it took a couple of moments. Excuse me, a couple of moments to. <laughs> pop those in, and then you felt that almost, effect I almost felt instantly. I, I just felt a lot more relaxed. And, um, you know, I haven't done 30-plus shows now. I feel like each show has gotten better. I feel a little more relaxed. You yeah. should see me, everybody out there that's, that's listening. I was a nervous wreck the first show that I did, but, but I feel really good today. And I'm not surprised that the U.S. government has actually kind of employed uh, acupuncture to various levels, even at the soldier thing. It's interesting when we think about things that have happened. Usually our soldiers are kind of the first... Uh, I don't want to say guinea pigs, but our first kind of people that are introduced to a lot of different techniques. So I'm not surprised that the government would do something like that. It's interesting that when we talk about a different kind of government, we know that the National Institutes of Health has, has recognized a lot of the benefits of acupuncture mm -hmm. and uh, for a whole host of, uh, of clinical conditions. And so I always think about, like, again, when we talk about the clinical applications, uh, I, I just like it. So why don't I uh, ask Dr. Bo this question. What are some of kind of the clinical applications you guys are using like more of the common things that you see sure. and using acupuncture for. Well, um, obviously, I'm I'm still a practicing chiropractor too, and so I'm seeing a lot of a lot of pain. So that kind of goes without, you know, without saying. I'm going to see a lot of people that are looking for different solutions to their pain, and it works great. Um, so sort of along those same lines, headaches respond amazingly well. Um, but you know, this is the season where everybody starts to get stuffy and a little mm -hmm. sick, and I, um, I'm getting a lot of really good results with. Um, uh, just any sort of sinus congestion, sore throats. Um, in my practice, I also see a lot of people with anxiety, digestive problems, um, you know, uh, female cycle problems, some mm -hmm. issues with their menstrual cycles. Um, that seems to respond really well. Those have been those have insomnia. Been insomnia, another, yeah, like really of big, course. Um, where we see a lot of people having trouble falling asleep, staying asleep. Uh, Dreaming, hot night sweats, so forth. Are you seeing applications? I think it's some common things that I see as an intern is things like uh, tennis elbow, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome. Uh, obviously, Dr. Mm -hmm. Bowie mentioned like menstrual cramps and things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Are you guys seeing that in those kind of applications as well, as well too? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah those Frozen are... shoulder, low back pain, neck pain. Those are very common. Yeah, I think the pain is probably the thing that starts people on their voyage on acupuncture a lot of times. It's like, it's a low threshold thing for people to come and see an acupuncturist for. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, oh, I've been using this band that's on my elbow and it's kind of helping, kind of not. You know, I thought maybe I'd try some acupuncture. Somebody said that they had good, you know, good results. And then all of a sudden, you know, they're trying it. Um, so I think it's kind of a low pain is a, is a great sort of introductory thing because number one, we can, we can really take care of pain very quickly with acupuncture. Mm -hmm. um, and number two, pain is a great motivator. 
you know, there's a lot of things that we can put up with, but pain is one of the ones that we are, we'll start searching for answers for. Well, and then especially when I think from like a Western standpoint, you know, I, I don't want to necessarily have my patients on pain medicines all the time. We can also try to, try to rebalance things. So it's interesting, the things that we're just talking about now, these conditions, these are exact conditions that have been recognized by the National Institutes of Health that have said acupuncture has been used very successfully in these kind of modalities. So I think it's, I think it's awesome that we're talking about yeah. practicality. So let me ask you this kind of question. So we think about about you know blending Western medicine, traditional Chinese medicine. Uh, this is a question of ginger. How do you kind of see uh, a relationship going? And I'll, I'll kind of preface that by saying, well, one of the things that I do for me and my family. I mean, I'm a big believer in integrative wellness and, and having a multidisciplinary healthcare team. That's something that I do for myself, and that's something that I certainly advocate for for my family, uh, and I even advocate that for my patients. Uh, but sometimes, you know, as practitioners, we're in kind of our silos. Um, and, and it may be hard to communicate, but how do you start going about integrating things? People are listening to us right now. Maybe they want to try something like this, but how will they start? And maybe, Jim, you can talk about, talk about the importance of seeing a certified, a licensed uh, practitioner. Yeah. Well, I think the best thing to do is to reach out to one and start asking some questions. Um, that way you can specifically talk to that practitioner about your situation and your health concerns and just have a phone consultation for a few minutes. Um, it is important to find a qualified practitioner. Uh, the best thing, what a person wants to seek out is someone who has received their Masters of Science in Traditional Oriental Medicine. We call it an MSTOM for short. So this person has received uh, roughly four year, uh, gone through a four year program and has received Western education in physiology and pathology as well as Eastern physiology and pathology. Um, so we're already uh, have an integration within our education, um, but we also are trained in herbal medicine and the other modalities I spoke about, you know, the moxa, the gua sha, the cupping, those other tools that we're able to use in our toolbox. And um, by, you know, reach, reaching out to someone who's qualified, they're going to be able to help you understand from a Chinese medicine perspective what's not quite working right and what we need to do to restore balance. So I would recommend people going to um, the National Certification Commission for acupuncture and oriental medicine. That's a mouthful. Yeah, that, that's it, definitely a mouthful. Is there an the, abbreviation for that there one? There is. It's the NCCAOM. If you go to nccaom.com, um, there is a find a practitioner so that you already know this person has the qualifications. They've sat for their board exams, they've passed them, and, and they are on that website. Um, and then in the state of Illinois, we also have an association, um, Illinois Association. I'll give you the abbreviation yeah. maybe this time. <laughs> um, it's I-L-A-O-O-M, I believe, I-A-A-O-M, and .org. And um, you can find a practitioner from that website as well. Excellent. I like how you know, we're talking about the, the, the true, legitimate licensed certified people there's no difference with me as an as an internal medicine physician i'm like i'm board certified by the american board of internal medicine so when you're out there looking at practitioners and even the practitioners that we've had on the show we are having credible people that are to that have trained uh actually until we talked before the show a few months ago we were trying to talk about this kind of concept 
I had no idea that it was a four-year program for mm -hmm. what you guys are doing. That's pretty intense because I think medical school for me was a four-year program, <laughs> and that was crazy intensive, of course. But but when you're talking about really really having the true certification, meeting the highest of standards of practice, you know, it's 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 awesome that there's a there's a uh, there's a major national body. It's interesting. I was looking on their website. I did my homework ahead of time because why not? Always better to be prepared than overprepared than underprepared. Absolutely. Right now, the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine regulates over 22,000 licensed practitioners nationwide uh, that have gone through that. So, as Ginger said, that's a great resource. The Illinois one is a great resource. Um, but but these practitioners are people that are that are credentialed properly and so you tell them about the importance of having a credentialed person. Mm -hmm, absolutely and I don't want to speak for Dr. Bo um, but he had the certification and made the decision to go through the four-year program um, yeah you know yeah. and well, tell us about it sure yeah. of course um, when you're a when you're in you know when you have your chiropractic degree um, or you as you were talking earlier about one of the doctors that you worked with when you have your medical degree um, you can get a certification to do acupuncture and these certification um, can range from like a 100 hour certification to a 300 hour certification and it enables you under your um, under your current scope of practice to start doing acupuncture um, and I think that those programs are really good as far as, you know, getting you familiar with what you can do and what acupuncture can do and maybe, you know, where the points are and stuff. But um, the things that it lacks is really the backbone of the medicine, which is why is it working and how do you make a proper diagnosis and why are you choosing to use the points that you're using or why are you choosing to use the herbal medicine that you're choosing to, to use. Um, in, in the certification that, that I did, um, I kind of already decided that I was going to be going to Chinese medicine school before that, but um, it was it was a gr good way for me to just sort of get get familiar with it and start using needles and start doing some of that and understanding how they were using. And it was a lot of um, protocols, you know. So it's like, okay, somebody comes in and they have knee pain, use these points that we've talked about. Don't 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 you do that. Um, but the thing about Chinese medicine is that we could have ten different people come in with knee pain and they're all going to get 10 different diagnoses and we're probably going to use 10 different points and have 10 different herbal formulas because that's the strength of Chinese medicine is that you can tailor it to an individual and start to really treat the root cause of that knee pain instead of it being uh, a one-all, you know, one one kind of treatment fix-all. Right. Um, I think that I think I like that corollary. It's from so from a contrasting standpoint, as a as a as a physician, as a medical doctor, I would say, all right, that same person comes up with a knee pain, all right, and I have this very logical because the body's logical, it's got the right inputs and the right outputs. The yeah. body's logical, and so yeah, I'm going to see the knee pain, do an exam, and say, guess what? You're getting an X-ray, but everybody's probably going to get the same treatment. Yeah. But that's that's very interesting how it makes it even more tailored to the individual. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. And that's one of the things that I explain to a lot of my patients, and that seems to really hit home, too, is because I think people want to feel like um, that they're getting the maybe a little bit more individualized care. I mean, I think they, they crave that from their um, practitioners, their health practitioners. And so um, I think that in, in that sense, Chinese medicine is really well positioned to sort of give them that tailored medical approach, you know, that, that that tailored treatment plan, and and I think that really adds a lot to it. Mm -hmm. and so, so I mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, top of the show, about 
um, much more inclusion in use of traditional Chinese medicine, certainly by leading medical institutions. And I'm going to give you guys a quick list out there of the leading medical institutions that have integrated traditional Chinese medicine as a service line to the patients that they provide uh, medical care for in their communities. So here's a list, it's, it's not an all-inclusive list, but these are some of the big names out there that have integrated this. So we got Mayo Clinic, Cleveland Clinic, Johns Hopkins, Northwestern. So you're looking at a lot of the leading medical facilities nationwide that have utilized and integrated acupuncture, traditional Chinese medicine, as well as herbal stuff. We haven't even talked about the herbs yet. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we, like, let me ask this question uh, uh, back to Dr. Bo. So, you know, you were in an integrative model before, but sure. how do you, how, how, is this model, is this approach, you know, these leading institutions doing it, yeah. is this scalable? Is this something that, that is, that can grow? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to be, it has to be, uh, I don't want to say this, it has to be nurtured, okay? It has to be something that is, um, that the, um, maybe the medical doctors that are referring into the Chinese medicine practice or the natural medicine side of things, um, that they kind of know what they can, you know, because I think maybe that's one of the barriers. It's just kind of like, it's this unknown of, all right, well, can you handle that? Is that sort of in your wheelhouse? Is this something that you can, that we can see a positive outcome? Um, and I, I think the desire is there from the population. I think the um, vast majority of people out there are looking for ways to um, stay healthy, improve their health, and maybe limit some of their more, um, you know, uh, extreme uh, illnesses and things like that. They're trying to just overall stay a little bit healthier and be a little bit more well-informed. Um, and so I think this is scalable. I think it absolutely is scalable. It just has to be something where there's a really good dialogue between practitioners and we have a really good understanding of sort of like what's within the scope of practice, what do we feel comfortable with, and when is it time to elevate, or maybe when is it time to get an opinion from a different perspective as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, in my experience when I was working, we had, um, we had a, uh, we had medical on site and sometimes we would be referring to them for help with headaches, for example. And sometimes we, they would get amazing results with headaches. And when that wasn't working and we had already tried chiropractic and rehab, the next referral would then be to, um, acupuncture and we'd start doing acupuncture and herbal medicine. And generally speaking, if it was unresponsive previously, that's when I think Chinese medicine really seems to do, it really seems to shine. That's when I've tried all these other things and it's not working, and then we try this and we really start, start getting some results. Yeah, I like how exactly. you're talking about the integration and the collaboration aspect because you're right, in order to scale something, even when we talk about an integrative wellness approach, yeah. you know, we have to have collaboration. The reality is that, you know, the, the data doesn't lie. I mean, we, with CDC publishes this in the year 2012, Americans spent $30 billion. $30 billion in out-of-pocket expenses on alternative medicine, mm -hmm. and which includes traditional Chinese medicine and mm -hmm. acupuncture. So there is, as you said, Dr. Bo, there is there are people that are out there doing this. Mm -hmm. And so how do we continue to support the demand of our patients? And yeah. so well, this, is why, this is why we have this yeah. kind of discussion right now right. on air. Right. So I just, I just love how we're doing it. What's your thoughts about, Ginger, uh, about more of like the scalability of things like this? Um... I I agree with Dr. Bo, and I just would, you know, dive into that a little bit more as far as the, the communication aspect of it. Um, 
their their the communication and understanding. It's about education. It's about understanding um, the capabilities of acupuncture, what it does, how it works, and when um, doctors, chiropractors, um, other uh, uh, modalities understand what we can do, then then we can better um, refer within. So I, sure, I think we would all love to see an integration within hospitals and doctors' offices. And um, will that come? You know, only but, time, yeah, only only time will tell. But all sides have to be willing to listen and respect one another's um, uh, practices. I like how you sit you, know, you say it. You got to check your ego at the door, your 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 degree at the door, and say how can we continue to work together to help. And to your point, uh, too, about scalability, um, I think one of the things that if we're talking about the real nuts and bolts of making it scalable, like in institutions and, and trying to start to get it used, I think the way to do it, in my opinion, is the thing that has the lowest threshold, which is usually pain. And so if you can start, if there's a way that we can start getting um, acupuncture, maybe a little bit more visibility in these pain clinics, because those are becoming more and more popular too. It's mm -hmm. like in, um, as another step in like an orthopedic process, right? Somebody comes in, they've got back pain of some sort. Usually there's a referral to a physical therapist. And if that's, um, if that's not working, then there's a referral to a pain clinic where they're doing things like epidurals or um, trigger point injections or cortisone injections. So they're trying to and do surgery. these. And then, surgery. And then, right. chronic and then, medicine. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. and so I think um, a really good place for that to, for us to really find out if this is something that could really be fed um, and be scalable is in those, in those pain clinics or somewhere in along that, that process. Um, so I think that if, if hospitals were going to try and um, be a little bit more into that, I think that's where it would probably be a great place to to get a foot in the door started that way and start to grow Please it. Please go ahead, Ginger. Um, another place that we could also see very easy integration, because I'm already, although I'm not inside uh, their offices, I'm getting so many referrals from fertility clinics. Mm -hmm. um, so we're just seeing so many, and a lot of fertility clinics are now putting an acupuncturist inside their clinic. Um, and the folks that don't have that acupuncturist already in their clinic are referring out to acupuncturists. So, I I mean, the rise in fertility uh, or treating infertility is significant. I mean, I would I would say five five to ten percent, definitely of my practice is helping women. Um, restore balance and get their cycle working correctly. Once you get that cycle working correctly, it's so much easier to um, become pregnant. That is wonderful. Again, another practical clinical application of what you guys do. So let me ask you guys this. Let me, let me change, the, change the topic a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, going back to what we were saying in the beginning, Ginger, you were listening to some of the different modalities, and I think it's important for people to know what's out there. You mentioned Obviously, acupuncture. We all have our needles in us. It feels mm -hmm. still feels really good right mm -hmm. now, guys. And I have my little uh, uh, yes. brought one. Not and, sure. And there's a title. So Ginger's to... holding up for those that are watching. Ginger's holding up a needle. Uh, for those that are listening, it might be hard to see the needle. Yeah, <laughs> but it is solid. Yeah. It is solid. Very thin, like a hair. Um, very flexible. I can see. How far does a needle typically go in? Is there a particular 
uh, kind of thing. And I know you've got uh, a model that you want to show us. Why don't you go yeah, ahead and we can pull out get, that model? Yeah, we can get Fred out here. Um, you know, there's over 360 acupuncture points on the body, and part of our training is to learn about all of these. So every single dot here represents an acupuncture point, and every single point on acupuncture point has specific details, where to find it, how to find it, what depth the needle's going to go to, what angle do you put that needle in, what's an acceptable angle, um, there's contraindications, you know, for this particular needle you would not put it in um, uh, horizontally or you would have to come in at a 30 degree angle. So there's details. This is part of our training, memorization, just straight memorize all the details. I can only imagine. I'm looking at this model. Uh, Fred's his name. Yes. Uh, Fred is is pretty much anatomically correct, by the way. Ginger's showing his backside to you guys uh, on the camera. Well, just uh, trying to show the that, number of yeah. acupuncture points back here. Yeah. So so that so it's interesting how you, how you talk about it because there's different. I mean, there's there's a very logical approach on how you do this. No different than like the logical approach that I think about when I, I see patients. Mm-hmm. And there's. Um, there are many ways to treat like a headache. Um, I have so many options, but first I have to do my diagnosis. And something we haven't touched on yet is pulses. Um, part of what we do and part of our training is to feel a patient's pulse. It's felt in both hands in three positions, and each of those positions is representative of an organ system and energy and so we feel that pulse, and that's your body's way of communicating with us. Like, hey, listen to me, this is what's going on. And we interpret that pulse and are able to create a diagnosis in Chinese medicine. And then that dictates what acupuncture points I'm going to use in order to treat your headache or your backache or whatever the problem might be that you're coming in for, your chief complaint. Excellent. Can you, Dr. Bo, can you talk about a little bit of the difference between, uh, if I'm pronouncing it right, is it yeah. like qi and then yin and yang and sure. how are those concepts applied in yeah, Chinese medicine? Yeah, so um, it all really develops between yin and yang, right? Yin is, um, yin is substance mm -hmm. and yang is sort of the motive force behind it. Um, a way that you can maybe, if you want to try and think of it in more... Um, uh, more of like a, a scientific way. You could almost think of um, the yang being like the the ATP, the energy that gets used to make thing to make parts of the cell move around, and then parts of the cell being the actual yin. So there's these there's this concept of yin and yang. So yin is the substance, yang is the motive force behind it, um, and then underneath that there's subsets of what each one of those is. So qi is like the little brother of yang, all right, and blood is like the little sister of yin. And so there's, um, and they have the same sort of dynamic, that same sort of balanced dynamic. Excellent. So Ginger, why don't you why don't you tell me a few other things? You mentioned uh, uh, muxibustion. Am I saying that yeah. right? Yeah. Muxibustion. What, what's what? And you mentioned cupping. So why don't you tell us about those two kind of modalities? Okay. So muxibustion is the burning of an herb on or over an acupuncture point. Uh, most commonly, it comes in a stick form, and it's uh, called. Aya, otherwise in English, mugwort. So it's a single... Mugwort. Yeah. That sounds like a horrible name, by the way. <laughs> well, 
Well, it sounds like um, <laughs> Harry Potter. Hey, Harry Potter. Right? I like, <laughs> and I hope I don't get in trouble by saying Harry Potter. Oh, goodness. I'm just joking. Um, oh, mug, mugwort. It's mugwort. And um, it comes in many forms. You can get it in like a loose form where we can kind of make it into like a little grain of rice and then we um, or we can get it in a stick form which is really the most common form that we use it. Um, you light the end and it burns kind of like incense. It's not like a flame coming out of the end. It's just kind of like a warm glow ember. Uh, it's, a, it's just an amazing um, tool. We use that for pain uh, particularly arthritics, uh, very commonly need uh, moxa. So we hold it over an area. Let's say someone's got uh, pain and uh, lack of range of motion here in their thumb. So you hold the moxa stick over the area that's affected and it warms and dries what we call dampness in Chinese medicine that is causing that joint pain. And then within, I mean, Within two or three minutes of applying moxa, typically the pain is less and the range of motion is greater. So that's moxibustion. We call it moxa for short. Yeah, because moxibustion is a hard word to say. <laughs> no, we call it moxa for short. Um, and talk about it like everybody knows what we're talking yeah, yeah. about. Um, and then cupping. Oh, gosh. Yeah, please, well, um, Michael Phelps made it famous yeah, several yeah. years ago. Um, thank you, Michael Phelps, for making our job a little easier <laughs> yeah, yeah. because people started coming in and actually asking about it, you know, and that was fantastic um, because then it became cool to have cupping marks on you. Um, and that is those circles that a lot of people have seen. Yes. Um, he, he sported a bunch of purple marks on his um, shoulders and arms. Cupping is um, the introduction of air suction into a glass cup or a plastic cup. Um, and uh, traditionally, we use fire. It's called fire cupping. Um, some people still do fire cupping. I use a pneumatic device that okay. introduces that cup. Uh, just minimize uh, people's fire, concern. Fire. Yeah, <laughs> patients get, you know, Chinese medicine is already unique to people. Mm -hmm. Adding, um, Fire close to your body, you know. Let's not, you know. Ups let's not go there. Let's yeah. not do that. So you introduce the suction into the cup, and it pulls the skin into the cup. What does that do? It moves stagnant energy. When energy isn't moving, like those channels you were seeing, those lines on Fred, um, those are what we call channels or meridians, and the energy flows along those. When you have pain energy is no longer flowing correctly along those meridians and cupping helps get that moving again. Um, so there's sliding cupping where we apply oil to the skin. Uh, very commonly we are doing sliding cupping on the neck and shoulders. Okay. Um, so many people are on computers, cell phones, iPads, the, the rise in tingling in hands and so forth um, just from people using their devices, it's crazy. And so cupping on the neck and shoulders can eliminate those symptoms for people. And we just slide that cup using the oil as a lubricant to get that cup to move. And then up comes an expression, which we call sha in Chinese sha. medicine, um, of that stagnation. That lack of movement, it comes up and it could be a little red, it could be a little purple, 
Um, I have seen a very close dark purple black one time on a bodybuilder um, that I did cupping on. Well, that's an awesome thing that, again, talking about practical application, but you have this utility belt of options that are out there to help patients get to their goals. And that's where, again, I think as we look at different things, you know, you and I may look at something a little different for a condition, but we're really trying to get people to the mutual goal, which yeah. is awesome. So I want to do this. we got about 10 minutes left, guys. So I want to actually uh, change topics, and I want to actually reintroduce a concept that I've brought on the show many times, but one of my favorite things I'm doing uh, on each show is a myths versus facts. So you guys have heard a lot of things about traditional Chinese medicine as practical and clinical applications, but the reality is that there's a lot of misunderstanding out there. There's actually a lot of misinformation. And so on this show, Tear Off with Dr. G, we're all about trying to set the record straight. Again, leveraging me, leveraging my network of certified individuals, experts, and to really help you navigate your health course. You know, again, you don't want to type in something on Google and then you have a paper cut and then Google says, you're dying of a flesh-eating bacteria because, you know, but that's like ridiculous, and, you know, and we're laughing about it, but it's true. Yeah. So we want people to get their information from the right individual. So here we go. Myths versus facts, traditional Chinese medicine. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a statement. We'll start with Dr. Bo. Sure. I'm going to say a statement, and then Dr. Bo is either going to say myth or fact, and then he's going to give us a few sentences on why it is so. So here we go. Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, myths versus facts. Dr. Bo, here we go. So here's the first statement. Acupuncture is painful. I would say myth. Um, I think that you should feel acupuncture. I mean, we are sticking a needle in the body. We have to remember that. Um, but it shouldn't be painful. Um, the feeling that it should have is maybe sort of more of a distending sensation, maybe a heavy sensation. Um, might feel a little achy, but nothing should really be sharp or pinchy. So um, definitely, definitely not painful. Thank you. And I can vouch, by the way, as we've been sitting here with the needles and ourselves, I had, I've had zero pain. I feel great. Yeah. So this is awesome. So I thank you for patients as young as five that receive acupuncture. So I, I feel like that gives you an idea of... Because yeah, a little, you know, a little kid can tell it. you if, it's, if it hurts. Yeah. So thank you for clarifying that. That's, that's wonderful, actually, to, to get a little bit of a... That wasn't even on my list of myths versus facts. <laughs> but that's great that you've had that kind of experience in a younger population. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, children uh, under five, are, we use herbal medicine. At least in my practice, I'm doing herbal medicine on children under five. And then children over five, with the assumption that that child's in school and capable of sitting in a seat, you know, they <laughs> usually can lay on an acupuncture table and receive needles um, and so over five we can do acupuncture and herbal medicine excellent all right here we go statement number two this one's for ginger here we go there is no research supporting traditional Chinese medicine myth or fact myth um, there is definitely uh, there research has been done uh, from many from different communities are doing that and sponsoring um, the work on that more we work needs to be done. Yeah, you know? I, think, I think that's one of the There's things that not as much yeah. as we need. I think that's one of the things when, when we're used to like Western medicine, you're used to doing clinical trials with thousands of people in one arm and thousands in the other arm. Mm -hmm. By the way, it costs a lot of money to do a clinical yeah. trial. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, I think that's one of the big reservations that a lot of Western medicine docs had. But but again, that's definitely, you know, I mentioned earlier in the show, the National Institutes of Health, part of the CDC, has already officially recognized acupuncture useful use successfully in many things that we talked about. Absolutely. And so. remember, it's thousands of years old, and they, they put the needle in, they see the person get better. What more do you need? Yeah. Try it once, and you'll be like, oh, acupuncture does work. Absolutely. <laughs> Excellent. All right, next statement for Dr. Bo. Here we go. 
Traditional Chinese medicine is outdated. Myth or fact? That's a myth. Um, I think it's ever-changing. It's always growing. Um, we are continuing to learn more and more about how to use it a little bit better, especially as our, um, as our lives change and as, as we change as a society. We'll have more things that we'll have to start treating. I guarantee you they weren't treating a whole lot of anxiety mm -hmm. um, way back in like 100 BC. Right. Um, so things are always changing. So it's never outdated. It's, it's constantly growing. Thank mm -hmm. you. All right, Ginger, this one's for you. Here we go, myths versus facts. All right, here's a statement. Acupuncture is only useful in treating pain. <laughs> okay, that would be a myth. And yeah, definitely. I mean, we touched a little bit on some of the the things um, that acupuncture can treat, but because acupuncture helps your body heal itself, the sky is really the limit. You just got to get restore function. It knows what to do. It know your body knows what to do. It's just having trouble doing it right now. You restore some balance, and it, it'll do its job again. Excellent. All right, Doctor Bo. Here we go. Statement, myth or fact, you'll need a doctor's referral or a prescription for acupuncture. Myth. Yes, that is definitely a myth. We are very highly accessible. Mm -hmm. um, just look us up. Absolutely. And uh, somebody who's certified, of course. Yes, yes. of course. And that's always a thing on the show. All right, here we go. Ginger, we'll do a couple more of these. All right, Ginger, here's a statement. Um, if you do not see results in one or two treatments, then you're unlikely to benefit from acupuncture. Myth. I have noticed, or there's a correlation between how long you've had a problem and how long it takes to help your body start to heal itself. So the longer, you know, if you come in and tell me you've had back pain for 10 years, it's going to take a little bit of time to help your body heal itself. It's not instant. And you it, can't just snap your finger. <laughs> yeah, so when it's chronic like that, it might take a little bit more time. On the flip side, you could come in and have back pain for 10 years, and you could experience an improvement just in one treatment too. Um, everybody's different, you know. How you got that back pain is different than the next guy, and we have to take that into consideration. Thank you. We'll do a couple more of these. Here we go, Dr. Bo. Myth versus facts, traditional Chinese medicine. Here we go. And by the way, I think everybody knows our secret. These are all myths. Yes. Oh, I, I cheated. I told everybody. All right, so here we go. Myths versus facts. Here we go. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, I like this one. Here we go. I got a whole list, guys. Acu Here's a statement. Acupuncture has a lot of side effects, and you'll need time off of work. Wow, that is such a crazy myth. Um, <laughs> no, I think the, the side effects that we talk about in Chinese medicine are like a really cool zen out feeling mm -hmm. after the treatment and just an overall sort of blissed out sort of feeling. Um, yeah, you're not going to have to take time off of work or anything. It's uh, you, you should be feeling better than when you walked in. So Absolutely. as long as you didn't need time off of work beforehand, <laughs> uh, you shouldn't need it after either. Well, thanks for clarifying that. And yeah. we'll do the last myths versus facts, traditional Chinese medicine to Ginger. She already knows the answer, but I'm going to say the statement anyways because it's important that we get the right information out to people. Uh, again, it's all about education. So here we go. Here we go, Ginger. All right. <laughs> Acupuncture's effects are psychological. It doesn't really do anything. Oh my goodness. Myth. <laughs> <laughs> and please uh, elaborate a lot. Yeah. On that I, one. Well, I'm like, where do I start with that? Um, <laughs> I know. Uh, 
the effects are definitely yeah, not psychological. I know, I'm like, they're definitely not psychological. I'm like, Ginger, there was that study um, where they did a functional MRI where they um, they inserted a needle at liver three, which is a point on your foot, mm -hmm. and it's a point that's used to, um, that can treat eye, any eye problems, a lot of different eye problems, and they showed on the functional um, MRI that the part in your brain that can, in the occipital center that controls vision actually lit up. Um, and so we know that there's that it's more than just psychological. There's a connection from these points to different areas in your body. And I think about functional, as Ginger was saying earlier, like, and we're talking about being able to recover function. And so it's a great modality, especially when other things have failed. So, yeah. Yeah. so thank you guys for answering the uh, traditional Chinese medicine myths versus facts. So we got about five minutes left, guys. And so you know we're gonna bring this thing home. And, and I feel like I could talk to you both forever on yeah. this topic because I just find it fascinating and I find a lot of things that I that I don't personally do fascinating maybe it's because as a physician as an internist I see a lot of the same things uh, uh, but it is what it is but I'm always having an open mind and again that's why I believe in an integrated approach to my health and my health stuff my family so I can just fascinated to hear about this and what you guys are doing with passion so we have about five minutes left so what I want to do is I want to wrap this up and so we talked a bit at the beginning of the show the chief complaint mm -hmm. you know what is traditional Chinese medicine and what are some of the clinical applications so when a patient comes in if we're, after we're done doing our examination we make our diagnosis we call that the assessment and plan at least in Western medicine mm -hmm. and that's when we kind of give our patients uh, their plan of care and hopefully they implement that plan to feel better so we're gonna bring this thing home so I'm gonna start out with Dr. Bo why don't you give us a few take-home points uh, for our listeners out there, our viewers out there, on how to be successful uh, with, Chinese, with traditional Chinese medicine or how to start it, uh, how to start looking at this. But what are some take-home points on today's topic that you want to communicate to our viewers out there? I'd, you know, I think the, I thought a little bit about this. I think the, the most important thing that, um, that people need to remember is that it's not scary. Uh, I think people hear needles and they think, oh my gosh, this is going to be quite an experience. And it'll be a, it will be an experience, but it'll be a really good experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say that's probably the, the thing that gets in people's way from trying Chinese medicine the most. It's just that it's kind of scary, you know, needles are going into the body, but it really, it's not painful and it's not scary. Um, I'd say that would be the first thing that I'd say. And then the second thing I'd say is um, don't be afraid to give it a fair shot, you know. Uh, one visit, you know, like Ginger said, you might notice some results, but, you know, usually it takes a couple of visits for us to really sort of make sure that we're on the right track and, and getting some good, some, good, uh, some good change. Thanks, Dr. Bo. Ginger, bring this home. What are some take-home points out there for our listeners to be aware of, to know about traditional Chinese medicine? I think that, uh, as we talked about very early on, it is so important for us to choose the right practitioner. Um, it's our healthcare, it's intimate, we're sharing intimate information. Be comfortable with the person that you've chosen, but make sure that they're a qualified professional. And we gave you some um, references so that Great you references. can find uh, a, a good practitioner who has the qualifications, has the education, um, and then find someone that feels good, a good fit, and is listening to you. Because um, that's an important part of healthcare, right? We have to listen to what our patients have to say um, and give them the opportunity to express what's going on. They live inside this. They, they know better than we do, right? They do. So thank you, Ginger. From my perspective, here's my kind of closing arguments and closing points. Not really an argument. We're not arguing today. <laughs> We're, uh, it's loving and friend friendly here, Absolutely. without a doubt. But here's kind of my closing, my closing remarks. You know, from a primary care standpoint, uh, I tell people that a decision to use traditional Chinese medicine must be a personal one. Just like how you make a decision and choose your doctor, 
or choosing the hospital system that you're going to work with or choosing things for you and your family. It's got to be a personal one. But there are so many synergies where I think where traditional Chinese medicine and what I do from a Western medicine standpoint uh, really come together. And it may be a good choice. And certainly if, if, if you're out there, you're dealing with a lot of different things and you haven't gotten anywhere with maybe some tradition, uh, uh, traditional Western medicine, you know, reach out to your doctor. Reach out to your chiropractor. Reach out to somebody on your team that will still advocate for you and, and say, hey, is this an option for me? And I guarantee you a lot of them will say yes. We're trying to bring everybody together. We're all trying to solve a lot of health problems. We just look at it through a different lens. So I think as we continue to work together and collaborate, we can all make this world a better place. There's my cliche line. Hey, I want to just thank my guests today. Of course, uh, this has been awesome. Dr. Yeah. Ian Bo. Hey, check him out. Uh, Dr. Ian Bo, chiropractic physician and practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, founder and owner of Bo Integrative Health. Check him out, www.bointegrativehealth.com. Thanks, Dr. Bo, Thank for being on the show. Dr. G. Hey, you're welcome. Man. Of course, right here to my right, Ms. Ginger Michaels. Hey, this has been awesome. So glad we were able to put this show together. You know, we talked about this a few months ago, but it's great to actually see it happen. And I just hear the passion that you guys have on everything that you're doing. So thank you, Ginger. She's a licensed acupuncturist and board-certified herbalist, practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, founder and owner of A Touch of Ginger LLC. Check her out, www.atouchofginger.com. You know me. Hey, you guys have been listening here on Intellectual Radio. It's Dr. G. Next week on my show, my Get to Know Him series will continue. We're going to be doing part two, The Power of nursing. Check me out on my website, www.drmarkgomez.com. Peace out.